7. I want to remind you of a couple of things. Wednesday nights, we have two more messages left in 1 John, and they're good ones. And I want to encourage you not to miss them if you can possibly be here. There's nothing on the Babel box better than here. Amen? Amen? <clears throat> this uh, Wednesday, I'm going to be talking about, can I have a witness? We're going to talk about the three things that bear witness on earth. And then the next Wednesday, I'm going to talk about, we have this confidence in prayer, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, Wednesday nights, folks, we have food out here afterwards. I mean, millions and trillions of calories for you. And it's all free and it's all homemade. So I encourage you to take advantage of that. May 7th, I'm going to start a new Sunday morning series that we're calling Desperate Households. I'm going to talk about desperate husbands. I'm going to talk about desperate housewives. The network's got nothing on me. And um, we're going to talk about the home. So beginning May 7th, Desperate Households. And then a brand new series on Wednesday nights, three Wednesday nights from now, I'm going to begin Hey Jude. How many of you have ever been through the book of Jude? Well, then, then see, I need to teach it. And I've never taught the whole thing. So can you say with me, Hey Jude? Hey, Jude. The Beatles got nothing on me. I'll be teaching on Jude. And this Wednesday night, we're giving to all of you who have gone through this series with me, at least some of it, we've gotten the, the whole series put into a very beautiful booklet, all the notes. We've been offering it over the air uh, free, and we're going to give everyone who went through this series, partially or wholly with us, uh, this booklet. It's beautifully done. I'm going to do the same thing with Hey Jude. And we're going to learn the Word of God. Amen? The church ought not be anemic. Amen. All right, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And if you'll stand for the reading of the Word, I want to <clears throat> share a message that I could not preach because of my faltering voice a couple of weeks ago. I confess to you that I'm a perfectionist. I, I hate not being able to finish something. I've added some things to it. And if I didn't feel that this was a key word... I would not be doing it again. But I'm going to talk to you today, the third in the Steady in the Storm series, stay on course. Stay on course. We have an enemy, and that enemy was not able to keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. And so not having been able to keep you out of the kingdom of heaven, that enemy wants to keep you out of God's will. He wants to keep you out of the will of God. He doesn't want you completing and fulfilling what God has laid his hand on you to do. And so I'm going to talk to you today about staying on course. Staying on course. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. And what did they do? They beat, they beat violently on that house. And it did not fall. Why, everybody? Because it was founded on the rock. And what is the rock? Not just Jesus Christ, but his teachings. The rock is his teaching. He's finishing the Sermon on the Mount. Here's the context. He's finishing the Sermon on the Mount. And he's saying, now what I just told you, 
This is the rock. This is what you build your life on. This is what you build your life on. And so he says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, notice he's talking to somebody who heard them but did not do them. He'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And what happened to it, everybody? And it fell. Well, you didn't say that very convincingly. And it fell. And what kind of a fall was it? What does it say? It was a great fall. Loud. Obvious. Visible. Terrible. Tragic. Because they didn't build their lives on the teachings of Christ. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts. Feed us. Lift us up. Build us in the faith. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is in the house. Tim. Amen. Amen. Everybody say the word is good. The last couple of times we've talked about staying steady in the storms of life. Now, most of you in here are saved. Uh, how many of you can say since I was saved, I've had a storm or two, just, just one or two? So we can be honest and say being saved does not storm-proof you, does it? But getting saved should storm-ready you. It should storm-ready you. <clears throat> it should storm-ready you. Now, Jesus said that storms would happen. Jesus told us they would happen. Winds would blow. Rain would fall. Floods would come and beat on our house. Now, folks, the storms come that the enemy might use them to knock us off balance. See, two things are happening in a storm. In the storms that you experience, number one, the devil wants to knock you off course. He wants you to detour. He wants you to crash. He wants you to lose your zeal for prayer. He wants you to lose your zeal for church. He wants you to quit seeking God. He wants you to get discouraged. He wants you to put up the white flag and quit. But now another thing is happening in the middle of a storm. God is wanting to teach you. He's wanting to strengthen you. He's wanting to speak to you in the storm. He's wanting you to navigate successfully through the storm, come out on the other side successful, stronger, wiser, more anointed, more capable in the Word of God. So two things are happening in every storm. And I see in the Bible when I read for instance, about the disciples, I see two kinds of storms pictured for us in the Bible. The first kind is sudden, ferocious, frightening. It comes from nowhere. It knocks you upside the head. How many of you have ever noticed that some storms do not send Federal Express and tell you they're coming? They just happen. And they come from nowhere. And what they do is they take you off guard. They surprise you. And twice I see in the Bible where Jesus told the disciples to get into a boat and go to the other side. One of the other sides was Gadara, and the other one was Gennesaret. And he said, I want you to get in the boat, and I want you to go to the other side. And both times that Jesus is the one who told them to get into the boat, they encountered a storm. You mean, Pastor Jeff, Jesus would actually lead you through a storm? Yes. I'm not saying he sent it, but I do believe he knew it was coming 
because he's God. He knew that Peter's storm was coming. He said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you like wheat. He knew that Peter's storm was coming. And any storm you're experiencing, Jesus knew it was coming. And here are these disciples. Jesus is asleep in the helm of the boat. And it says, suddenly, can you say with me, suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. And suddenly these disciples, in the middle of the will of God, obeying the voice of the Lord, encountered a Eurachlodon, a tempest, a serious storm. And they were afraid for their life. In the second situation, Jesus said, get into the boat and go to the other side. And they were headed to Gennesaret. And it says, in the second storm, it says, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. They had been rowing all night long. And it says, they were tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. And I see here the second kind of storm that we go through. Sometimes it's sudden, vicious, tempestuous But other times, it's a constant, sustained, wearying wind of resistance that wears us down over time. Look at the differences between the two. In the first storm, they were covered by waves, covered over, overwhelmed, and overcome. In the second storm, they were tossed about, tossed about, just rocked. Their world was rocked. In the first storm, they were frightened. In the second storm, they weren't frightened. They were wearied. These are two kinds of storms. The first storm came suddenly, like a bad doctor report, or a loss of a job, or a spouse walks out, or you get a call in the middle of the night that your child has been put in jail. Suddenly, your world is struck by a storm. The second storm was sustained over a much longer period of time. Over a long period of time, a sustained problem. Like praying for something over a long period of time that never changes. A difficult job, difficult boss, a difficult marriage. You pray and pray and nothing changes. Long-term problems with children or health. It's a sustained storm. And you're wearied and you're rowing. That, that oar of faith is getting tired. And you're just being worn down. That's a type of storm. Either way, whatever kind of storm it is, the Lord wants you steady, steady in the storm. He wants you to make it out on the other side. He wants you to navigate through it. He wants you to survive. He wants you to more than survive. He wants you to be more than a conqueror through him who loved you. He doesn't want you being taken down by the storm. He wants you being strengthened by the storm. He wants you to learn from the storm, and he wants you to be victorious. Am I talking to anybody here today who knows what a storm is like? Now, we've been using the illustration of you being a pilot, the pilot of a big jet that's 30,000 feet up in the sky, and you're the pilot, you've got a co-pilot, and you've got a destination. You're headed somewhere, and you encounter a storm. Now, I told you I'm not a good flyer. I don't like jets. I don't like travel. When I get invited to go somewhere and speak and I've got to get into a jet, I've really got to pray that through. I'm what you call a white-knuckle flyer because I like being in charge, and I ain't in charge in a jet. 
I don't like it when we hit turbulence. I don't like it when we don't hit turbulence. That makes me suspicious. I don't like it. I don't like flying. I've reminded God of my calling a million times up in the air. I don't like being in jets. But let's just pretend you're the pilot and you're flying a jet 30,000 feet up and you encounter immediate vicious turbulence and you're in the middle of a storm. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible says that if anybody's going to make it through a storm, there's some things mama can't do for you, daddy can't do for you, grandma can't do for you. You've got to do it for yourself. And one thing you've got to do for yourself is seek the Lord yourself. Get into the Word yourself. I can share with you on a Sunday morning and I can teach with you, teach you on a Wednesday night. But listen, you have got to get up in the morning, open up that Bible, read the Word of God, call out in the name of God. And when you go into a storm, you've got to know how to navigate your own jet through it. Nobody's going to do it for you. We've shared that a pilot is taught some things in pilot school about what to do when they encounter a storm. The pilot is taught in a storm to immediately revert to the fundamentals. And he remembers three words, three simple words when he hits a storm. Fly the plane. Just fly the plane. Don't crash fly the plane. When you encounter a storm of temptation, a financial storm, a marital storm, a heartbreak, a disillusionment, whatever it is that rocks your world, the Bible says, fly the plane. Stay in the Spirit. There's three things that are fundamental to our walk in Christ. Stay in prayer, stay in the Word, and stay in fellowship. Stay in prayer in the middle of the storm, stay in the Word in the middle of the storm, and stay in fellowship. You say, Pastor Jeff, that is so basic. Ah, but have you noticed that when people get into a storm, that's when they quit praying, and that's when they get out of church, and that's when they quit seeking God in the Scriptures. And listen, the worst time to get out of those three things is in the middle of a storm. I mean, Stay in prayer, stay in the Word, and stay in fellowship when you're not in a storm so that when you go into a storm, you just keep on doing what you've always been doing. You've got those godly habits in your life. I get up, I seek God. I say, good morning, Jesus. I open up the Word of God. I soak in the Word of God so that when a storm comes, Jeff doesn't change. Jeff does what he's always done. Pray, seek God, get into the Word, and stay in fellowship. Fly the plane. Fly the plane. Then we looked at the second, second fundamental, which is slow down, way down. A pilot is taught this, literally, to revert to maneuvering speed to avoid structural damage. Often a storm is the signal. It's a signal to examine your life and listen to God. God wants to talk to you in the middle of the storm. God wants to minister to you in your storm. Listen to what David said. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I seek your word. Do you, do, you, do you see what he's saying? Before I was afflicted, when everything was great, every, everything was going well, the sun was shining, the money was good, it was peaceful around me, I strayed. 
But when a storm hit, I took that as a signal to break towards God. It drove me not away from God, but it drove me to God, and I flew the plane. I stayed in spiritual flight. I didn't crash. I didn't walk away. I didn't get disillusioned. I stayed and kept on keeping on. I flew the plane. Now, today I want to look at the last fundamental that a pilot learns. And the last fundamental, it's technical. I'm going to read you a literal technical term out of a pilot's manual, and I'm going to tell you what it means. Restore positional awareness to chart an alternate course to your destination. Now, watch this. Restore positional awareness. What does that mean? In other words, keep your original destination your vision, where you were going before the storm hit, clearly in front of you. Here's one thing a pilot doesn't do. I've been in the air many times when this happened. Pilot would say, look out the left window or the right window, and you see that thunderstorm. You see the lightning, and you see the clouds. He said, we're going to have to go an alternate course, but we're not going to give up the destination. We're headed to San Diego. Because of this storm, we're not going somewhere else. We may have to go around or over or under, but we're still going to stay on course. Folks, listen. When a storm hits, don't let it take you from your vision. Don't lose your vision. Don't lose sight of what you're about, who you are in God, and where you were going prior to the storm. Because the enemy wants to use this storm to divert you, to detour you, to get you off course. And you know, a pilot, if he gets off even one degree, just one degree, just begins to drift just a little bit from where he was going, one degree, you give him three hours and he's thousands of miles away from where he was supposed to be going. Can I tell you something, church? You don't just have fire insurance if you're saved, but when you got saved, God had something in his mind for you. He had something he wants you to do. You've got a call on your life. You've got a purpose over you. You've got destiny written all over yourself. God has a call on you. And here's what God is saying. The storm, the enemy wants to use the storm to detour you. He wants to use the storm so that you get even one degree off. So that a year down the road, two years down the road, you are miles and miles and miles away from God's highest and best for you. The pilot may have to chart an alternate route, but he remains fixed on his destination Here's what he says. Storms happen. Turbulence happens. I can't do anything about that. But I'm not going to lose my vision. I'm not going to lose my destination. I'm not going to lose my purpose. I am not going to forget where I was going before this storm hit. I refuse to lose my vision. The disciples reached Gadara when they were hit by the sudden storm and they delivered the Gadarene demoniac from those terrible demons and they reached Gennesaret where thousands were waiting for them on the other side to be fed and healed. They reached their destination though they encountered two kinds of storms on the open sea. And God's going to get you exactly where he wants you. But I'm here today with a word burning on my heart, a word for you straight from God. Don't lose what God laid his hand on you to do. And if you've gotten away from it, get back. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. In 1 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, we, we hear a little story. Read about a little story. Here's the town of Jabesh Gilead, and they're being restored 
from being almost wiped out as a people. They are one of the 12 tribes of Israel, actually a half tribe. And they're being restored from being almost decimated. But they're real nervous about the Ammonites who have been their long-term enemies. And so they go to Nahash, the leader of the Ammonites, and they say, would you make a covenant with us? Now, can I tell you all something today? You can never make a covenant with the devil and get out good. These people were the enemies of God. And they come up to them and they say, we want to be sure that you don't attack us. We want to live in peace. We want to live in security. So Nahash, will you cut a covenant with us and so that we know you'll never attack us? And Nahash said, sure, sure will, but I'll do it on one condition. Oh, sure, what's the condition? I want the right eye of every one of your men. I want to take out the right eye of every one of your men. Now, I'm going to count to three so we can all say, ugh, at once. One, two, three. Yeah, that's bad. But that's the devil. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, sure, I'll cut a covenant with you. And here's my terms. My terms are, I want your right eye. Now, here's what they knew. In battle, they had shields that went all the way to the floor, all the way to their feet. And they would hold these shields over half their face, the left side. And with the right eye, they would aim With the right eye, they would shoot arrows, throw spears, and fight their battles. Without a right eye, none of the men, what they were brought and reduced to was slavery because they would never have been able to fight or defend themselves. And I believe that everything God put in the Bible, he put there for a reason. Often in the Old Testament, there's a physical picture of a spiritual truth. To me, Nahash is a picture of the devil. And you know what he wants? Your vision. He wants your vision. He wants the eye of faith, the eye of vision. He wants the eye that sees what God has for you, the eye of purpose. He wants your eye of faith. Hallelujah. Amen. So in a storm, here he comes. A storm comes along and the devil says, here's what I'm really after. I'm after your eye. I'm after your vision. I want you to lose sight of who you are in God. I want you to lose sight of what God's called you to do. I want you to lose sight of your purpose. I want you to forget your first love. I want you to not remember at all what God has done for you. I want you to be walking in a dark cloud. I don't want you to realize who you are in God or walk in it. I want to blind you. Now Saul heard about this and Saul said there is no way that they're going to take the right eye of the men of God he got furious I believe there is a place in God that we ought to get righteously indignant when the devil comes to steal from us our vision come on everybody He said, there is no way that's going to happen to God's people. He became furious, and rightly so. He put together an army. They came against Nahash and the Ammonites and defeated them, and Saul brought a great victory. Folks, there comes a time when if your vision is gone, you ought to get mad about it. There comes a time when if you don't walk in your first love anymore, when church has become a duty instead of a delight, and prayer has become a burden instead of a joy, you need to get mad and get your right eye back. This is a picture of what the enemy is after in you and me. Satan wants to steal your dream through a storm while God wants to teach and strengthen you. You know, I think of Nehemiah. 
He was one of the first to be released from Babylon after 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Cyrus released Nehemiah, the cupbearer, to go back and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And in the middle of building the wall, enemies came against Nehemiah. They were called Samballot and named Tobiah. And they began to persecute him and threaten to take his life. And they made his life a misery. And one day they came up to Nehemiah when he was working on the wall and they said, come down and talk to us. And I love his response. He said, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Translated, here's what he was saying. I'm on a mission from God. My right eye is 2020. I am at what God has called me to do. I'm not gonna let you detour me by a storm. I'm moving on. Bob, and they executed an engineering miracle by finishing that wall in 52 days because they refused to be detoured off of their course by a storm. Everybody say with me, stay on course. Stay on course. Say it again. Stay Turn to your neighbor and preach to him and say, stay on course. You didn't look at your neighbor. Don't tell me. I've already heard it. I'm preaching this. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay on course. Some of you really need to hear that because the devil's been out to detour you. And I'm here today to preach you back into the middle of the will of God for your life. So the pilot in turbulent times returns to the fundamentals. Fly the plane. Slow down, way down, and keep your vision, your original destination. Don't allow the storm to rob your vision. Now, I'm going to give you three quick things easy to remember when it comes to staying on course. Where were you going before the storm hit? Where were you before you got that negative report? Where were you before you got so tempted you got out of the race? Where were you when the devil's side sided you, hit you upside the head with something that knocked you off the trail. Where were you? What were you doing? What were you doing? I've got a word for you today. Get back. Now, here's what you say to yourself, and here's what the enemy speaks into your mind. You can't get back. You've messed up. God doesn't forgive you. He's already gone and found somebody else. Well, I'm here to counter his voice today and tell you the gifts and the callings, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. You say, you mean that call is still there? It's still there. God hadn't moved. God has not moved. You may have moved, but God is right there. And his mission, his call, his purpose for you is intact. Where were you before the storm hit? Get back. God hasn't changed. The next thing, redirect your flight to the original destination. Redirect your flight. Say, Pastor, I'm already involved in something else. I don't know how to get back in the original call of God. Listen, it may require a different route. The same people may not be with you. You may find yourself in a different organization, but organizations are not the call. The call is higher than, wider than, deeper than, and broader than any organization. Come on, everybody. (laughs) 
Circumstances may have been changed by the storm, but don't lose your dream because of a storm. Get back. Kathy and I went through the storm of our lives two years ago, and since then, it's been stormy, less and less so as time goes by. But there was a day that I woke up many times and said, I just want to move. I want to just pack up, move away. It's over for us. We need to start over. But Jesus came to me. You know, one word from God will change everything. And you better be careful if you ask God for a word, he's liable to give it to you. And I said, Lord, uh, what are you saying to me? Where do we need to go now? He said, nowhere. I said, Lord, where do we need to go now? Nowhere. I rebuke you, devil, get out of this prayer time. God, where do we need to go now? Nowhere. Jeff, just stand up and preach. Nothing has changed. It's not a building. It's not an organization. It's not a name. It's a vision. So it may be different people, different locations, but the vision and the call are the same. And now I've been watching God restore the years, the caterpillar and the palmer worm ate away, and I'm going to get double for my trouble. Oh, yeah. Yes. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, Pastor Jeff, work up a sweat. I already did in the first service. My hair looked like I just stepped out of the shower when I walked in here because I'm worked up about this. Say with me, stay on course. Now, the third thing, and very, very important here, is pilots are taught it's not altitude, but it's attitude that matters in turbulence. Now, I want to just tell you something. Sometimes you will lose altitude. A storm will take you down some. But here's what they're taught. When the altitude drops, let your attitude rise. Because it's not altitude. It's attitude that sees you through to the other side. I call Paul, the apostle, the attitude king. He's the attitude king. He amazes me. Because here he is in jail, his back bleeding, bloodied, his body bruised, beaten for something that was not wrong, but right. And yet he says, children, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The man lost altitude. He's sitting in jail. He can't travel around and preach. He's locked in jail, so he brought his attitude up. He said, you are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The man couldn't be knocked down or taken out because of his attitude. Now, I'm going to tell you what to get out of your mind, and I feel impressed to say this. Get the stinking thinking out of your mind. Don't be mad at God. Don't be mad at life. Don't be mad at others. Don't be mad at yourself. If circumstances are not changing after you've prayed, then God's wanting to work on your character. Yeah. 
Say, how come I've been praying all this time and I'm in this sustained storm? Well, if it hasn't changed, then God's wanting to work on your character. So you need to rejoice in the Lord. He's forming Jesus Christ in you. He who has begun a good work in you will finish it to the day of Jesus Christ. He is forming his son in you. You're going to be more like Jesus. Think like Jesus. Talk like Jesus. Walk like Jesus. And eventually, the character change that he's looking for will be complete, and God will change the circumstances. But until then, fly the plane. What you been up to? Oh, flying the plane? Oh, really? You're flying a plane? Yeah, I am. I'm flying a plane. When did you start taking lessons when I got saved? Yeah. And, well, what do you mean you're flying the plane? I'm staying in the Word. I'm staying in prayer. And I'm staying in fellowship. And the Spirit of God is fanned to flame inside of me. I'm just flying the plane. And, and you know, some storms have come, so I slowed down. And I'm seeking God. And I'm getting a fresh word from God. I'm saying no to a few things so I can apply these principles. And now I'm being real sure that the storm has not taken me off course. God laid his hand on me to do what I'm doing right now. And I'm going to do it until the day that Jesus Christ comes back. I'm staying on course. Pastor Jeff, I don't know what he wants me to do. I do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are going to be added unto you. Just make Jesus Christ your goal. That's the course you're to stay on, and seek him with all of your heart, and he'll change your life. Can we stand together today? If you needed this today, would you just raise your hands and say, Lord, I'm going to stay on course. I'm going to stay on course. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want to pray for you. How many of you can say today, Pastor Jeff, this is a great word, but I know that I'll never be able to live this word unless God gives me amazing grace. Can you raise your hand and let me see you? You know, I did this in the first service, and there was a real anointing on it. I know that this word pulls us up. And I also know that we can't respond to it apart from grace. I need grace. But if you raise your hand, would you come down and let me pray for you today? Just slip out and come down. Just make your way down and let me pray for you today. Thank you, Lord. How many of you can testify that Nahash has tried to get your eye of vision. Oh, yeah. Well, he's not going to succeed because a greater than Saul is here, and his name is Jesus, and it's not going to happen. Father, I thank you for these precious people. We need the grace of God. And, Father, we ask you to pour out your grace in a mighty and a powerful way. Lord, we know that this word pulls us up. It challenges us to walk higher. And Lord, we don't want stinking thinking. We don't want to be mad. But we want to respond in a biblical manner to the storms of life and fly the plane. I want to testify to you that you're not going to crash if you'll obey the word of God. 
You can't crash because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And Jesus faced the storm and came out on the other side resurrected. And you're going to face the storm and come out on the other side by resurrection power. So I pray right now, Father, pour out amazing grace. We confess our weaknesses to you. We confess our need to you. We confess, Lord, that we cannot do this apart from the amazing power of the Holy Ghost. And I pray for a fresh and a powerful anointing to fall on these people, fall on this church. And do it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now lift your hands to the Lord, would you? Say, Lord, grace I receive. I receive grace to live this word. It will bear fruit in my life. I've heard your word and I will do it. Now worship him for a minute, would you? Just go ahead and worship the Lord. Go ahead and just worship the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, do it. God, do it. God, do it. Go ahead and just praise him. Give him a praise. Thank you, Lord. Give grace. Give grace. Give grace. Give grace. Give grace. Give grace, Lord. I pray for the amazing grace of God. The amazing grace of God. The amazing grace of God. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Oh God. Everybody, sing it now. Oh, yes. everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Well, God is good. God is good. I just sense a particularly strong anointing here today. And I think it's because we're in for a new thing. We're in for a new thing. Shall you not know it? Amen. Well, how many of you know somebody who might be blessed by Charles Martin next week who wasn't here today? 
bring somebody. We've got room now. Let's fill it again. And Charles is looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to it. Bring somebody who needs Jesus. I just feel like we're going to see just breaking out of the Spirit of God on our church services. God's going to do a new thing if we'll say, touch me, Lord. How many of you want a touch from God? All right. Can we just tell him, Father, we're hungry and we're thirsty. Pour out your Spirit on this congregation in the days to come. We commit it to you. Thank you for blessing and touching these precious people. God, thank you for the people that came forward to give their hearts to you. Thank you, Lord, for two services that were blessed. God, we thank you. Thank you for taking the stinking thinking out and putting in Bible thinking. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Well, you know, we're going to... Oh, and you ladies, this is going to be first come, first serve. We have some leftover lilies from Easter. Hang on, don't go out there yet. We've got some leftover lilies from Easter that are there for you to take home.